You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What's in the mug today, Ethan? Oh, I'm glad you asked, but it won't surprise many. It's uh, it's off-grid again. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Coffee. Mm. Oh, well, I mean, that, that is, goes that, without saying. It is a coffee. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I didn't really say because someone missed that one episode. <laughs> that one episode. I made no sense just now. They're like, off-grid? How, did you, how yeah. do you get lack of technology into your mug? <laughs> He's drinking a concept. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a funny thing about that because with Trade Coffee, you can do a queue of, yes, of like scheduled orders. Yes, you And can. I forgot I put off-grid on it again. <laughs> so when it arrived, I'm like, oh, hello again. <laughs> I was so pleased to, uh, to receive it. Oh, so. that's delightful. It was that's good. wonderful. It was that's good. the next one up in my queue. It's no. off-grid. Have you had it yet? No. I in fact, you're... the order was placed today. Nice. I, I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm very excited for you to see. I have no doubt. I'm sure I will. Good stuff. That is that is good stuff. Well. You're going to say, you know, it's also good stuff. I was almost going to do that. <laughs> and I thought, no, uh, not today. No, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, Ethan did it. Yeah. Here we are. No, we are on the Apostles' Creed, and it is good stuff. Yeah, it is. And we're on to the next article. We're mm-hmm. closing in on the end. I mean, we really are. It's it's pretty close. It's getting close. I think after this one, hold on, let me run through this in my head. We've got like three more after this, I think, and that's it. That's not too many. No. And then bingo, bango. <laughs> We've unlocked all the secrets of the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> Apparently so. Just like all the secrets in Assassin's Creed. Exactly. Which... Not that rewarding. That's far less rewarding. Yeah. I just remember particularly the end of the first one. See, that's the one I didn't play. Yeah. The first one where there's like this golden apple involved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that's it. That's like all you know. And you're like, what the heck? (laughs) Something that the rest of the games take for granted. Yeah. Like, it's like, (laughs) what the heck? Oh, man. So anyway, but today, the Apostles' Creed. And today's article is perhaps the most misunderstood part of the Apostles' Creed. So isn't that fun? Well, yeah. (laughs) I, that's interesting to me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Here here it is. Just We're just going to say it now. <clears throat> I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Come again? Yeah, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. That's what I thought you said. Yeah, surprise. We're all Roman Catholics now. <laughs> Where is my complimentary robe and stole? Where is Ooh, it? I want, I, want a, I want one of those fancy incense burners. And maybe uh, some reliquaries with the bones of a saint. The bones! of a saint that'd be great <laughs> oh wouldn't that look spectacular touch a piece of saint peter's scalp <laughs> it's on my mantelpiece in a golden box <gasps> that's yeah. funny you say that because it wasn't just bones too it was like oh yeah we have a piece of a like toe. like yeah a toe or like it sounds sacrilegious to say it but i mean this is the thing they'd be like oh yeah here's a here's some of christ's beard like yeah. some of the hair that was ripped out of his beard yep in a box it's like what if you are so wrong <laughs> Just think about that for a minute. <laughs> wow. Take that, Johann Tetzel. <laughs> yeah, that's a. It's an interesting practice. When interesting a, practice. When a penny in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. <laughs> wow. That was a little limerick he came up with. That's uh, that's clever. That, that I mean, hey, that's what um, I don't know. That's just <laughs> <laughs> that's flabbergasted. Yeah, it really is. I've got <laughs> nothing to back that up with. We are, of course, kidding. We're kidding. We're not Roman Catholics. But that is how people sometimes take this part of the creed. So I was talking to someone once, and we were somewhere, and the creed had recently been recited, and they're like, I can't believe they made us say that, that we're Catholics. <laughs> I'm like, like, okay, no, that's not that's not what it means. We're not saying that we're Roman Catholics. Right, right, right. Uh, when we affirm this article of the creed, again, we are not saying that we are Roman Catholic. However, we are saying that we're Russian Orthodox. <laughs> 
Aren't we? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah, okay. that's the secret. Mm-hmm. Actually. That's the flip. That's why this is so misunderstood. <laughs> actually, just because people like me making stupid jokes. <laughs> Where's my icon in the corner of the room? Exactly. <laughs> no, what we are affirming when we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints is that we believe in a set-apart universal church. That is what Catholic means. It's little c Catholic. Exactly. Not big c Catholic. And what that means is universal. So what we're saying, in other words, is that all Christians are part of one true church, and that even though that church may meet in different physical assemblies, so like, it's not like every Christian in the world goes to the temple like the Jews did. Like, we have one central place where we all gather and worship. One simulcast temple. Yes, exactly. Uh, we, we have different physical congregations, but we are all part of the same church because yeah. we are united under the headship and lordship of Jesus. So in that sense, we are all part of one church, one invisible universal church. And when we say the communion of saints, we're not saying that there's one class of Christians that's better and more rarefied than other Christians. Like, which, you know, you get like, and <laughs> I, I even use this term sometimes, like, oh, St. Augustine. Like, yeah. as if somehow, oh, Augustine was a better Christian than all of us. Sometimes I mean, maybe it, in some sense he was. Sometimes it feels like he might know? have done, but. <laughs> like, maybe he had some more things figured out than we do. But in the eyes of God, it's not like, oh, yeah, Augustine was a saint and Josiah and Ethan are, you know, the <laughs> proletariat. <laughs> of Christians, you know. No, no, no. We we are all saints in the sense that we are all set apart in the eyes of God, that we are all holy. When he looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. So in that sense, we are distinct from the world, and that's where the term saint comes from. If I'm remembering my Greek correctly, it's the term hagios, which again means holy ones, set apart ones, etc. That is never not humbling. Isn't that yeah. something? They're like, oh yeah, you are you are this. That's who you are now. Like, oh, like I actually am in the same class as Augustine and all of these men in the <laughs> really? eyes of God. Because, wow. Wow, Athanasius and Aquinas. And... really sometimes feel like I'm deteriorating their class. <laughs> They're looking at like, oh, this oh guy. why are they affiliated with me? They're lowering me down. And we're also saying that we're united to them, not just across space, but across time. So yeah, like exactly. That we join in with a great cloud of witnesses to take an image from Hebrews 12, that the communion of saints transcends space and time in a sense. So we, when we're reunited with God, the new heavens, the new earth, every saint across the span of time is going to be there. Hmm. And we're going to be worshiping God together there. And in a sense, we're worshiping with them right now, even, which is crazy to think about. But that the saints who have departed are in the presence of the Lord, mm-hmm. giving him worship now. Right. You know, absent of the body, present with the Lord. So they're doing that right now. And when we gather together to worship with the church on Sundays, we're just joining their worship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So in that sense, we're also participating in the communion of saints, which is really wild. I don't think we think about that. That is extremely wild. Aspect of it very often. Like, I tend to get very lost in the, you know, like, I got to, like, deliver the sermon and I got to do these things, like, right here, right now, which is true and important. But at the same time that that's happening, the angels and the saints are around the throne of heaven worshiping, too. The joke that's been told before in church circles is that, you know, we're all technically late to that worship service, like, because it's always happening, you know, like, okay, like, well, I understand what you're saying, but that's already, you know, come on, stop that, stop it. (laughs) That's a unique point to draw out, though, because I think it can be very easy to just focus on what's happening in front of you. Yeah. And for that to 
I guess in a negative interpretation kind of feel small. Yeah. And like whether or not you're participating in something because of really tedious things like, oh, do I like this lyric or does this really feel authentic to me or yep. do I do I like this song? And it's like, well, there's it's so much grander. What is happening is so much grander than, than what you're witnessing in that room in front of you. Yeah. It's so much bigger than that. Yes, yes, it is. And to draw that out even a little further along the lines of what you were saying is that worship is what unifies us with the people who are in the church down the road too. Like if they're really worshiping the real Jesus, we're just as united with them as we are with the communion of saints in heaven, even in spite of the physical distance and the fact that, you know, they may have slightly different beliefs in certain areas of doctrine, but when it comes to the essentials of the gospel, things like the Apostles' Creed, we're affirming that, then we're united with them in that worship too. And so, like, again, there's just so much more happening in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints than is apparent right in front of us. In fact, there's a passage from Revelation that I think captures this whole dynamic fairly well. It's Revelation 5, 9 through 10. It says, and this is referring to Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, which I feel like we do need to explain that a little bit. So there's a scene (laughs) where John is witnessing these events in heaven and there are these seals on the scroll. And basically the idea is whoever can open the scroll, things are going to start to be made right again. And this is going to usher in something amazing and wonderful and it needs to happen. And there's no one found in heaven or on earth who can open the seals and open the scrolls. So like at this point, John starts weeping because no one's found worthy, which means we're going to be doomed, stuck. Things are (laughs) not going to get any better. And then this angel says, don't weep. Behold, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah has conquered. He is worthy to take the scroll and open it. What a setup that is. Yeah, it really is because you think this is hopeless. And he's like, don't weep. Like, look, here's the, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, and he's worthy. And so... That's where we enter this scene, and it says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Oh. Yeah, that's a little another little interesting touch yeah. that reinforces this idea that we're not going to end up for eternity in an ethereal floaty place, exactly. but that the reign of God and his saints happens on earth, in a new heaven, in a new earth. Right. But the thing there, even again, you notice that this communion of saints and this holy Catholic church transcends not just space and time and not just unites us with the communion of saints in heaven or the communion of saints just down the road from us. It transcends and unites people from every tribe and language and people and nation. So this means that to steal C.S. Lewis's imagery, because that's what we love to do as Christians, we just take C.S. Lewis and and we steal from him. But anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ for their salvation and affirms the historic Orthodox ten the Christian faith belongs in the great hall of Christendom and we all become part of one family, one kingdom, one church, and God becomes our father, our king, our head. And what is amazing about this is that it also means that we have more in common with a Palestinian Christian than we do with our next door neighbor who may look and sound and do everything else like us, but is not a Christian, which I really think I tend to lose sight of that real quickly. Sure. And especially, I mean, in a state like West Virginia, uh, the reality is is it's a pretty homogenous state. Exactly. um, Which, I mean, you can't really do a lot to help that at this point. Like, you know, like you can't be like, we are going to force people to move here. Like, (laughs) you need to live here. Like, if you want to, that's great. We welcome you. But like, we can't force, you know, I mean, there's not a lot going on in West Virginia these days. 
unfortunately. But the point remains, and I think this is very crucial, that a brother or sister in Palestine who calls on Jesus Christ for salvation, who does not in many ways look like us, who does not eat the same food as us, who like approaches the world in probably vastly different ways than we do, in all those areas that would be so different from us, that's all inconsequential at that point. Because the same blood courses through our veins in the sense that the blood of God that makes us family, that is the same blood that's coursing through our veins. And that does more to unite us than all those differences of culture and country and national, all those things, which is just crazy to me. As opposed to, you know, your next door neighbor, right, who may, I mean, look like you, may have the same political leanings, may enjoy the same things that you do, may cheer for the same football team, (laughs) may hate Tom Brady as much as you do. But in the end, if they're not a Christian, if they do not call on Jesus for their salvation, then they are as different from you as a lamb from a goat, if you catch my meaning. I see what you did there. Ah, But I think that's amazing because I do think we still tend... Well, let me say, I I know that I would tend to be more comfortable, and even this goes back to our Jonah series, if you were here at the church, but I just tend to be more comfortable around people who look and think and act like me. Like, that's just natural, right? And I'm not even talking in the sense of the Christian faith. Like, I think that should be, that should generally be a given, including with, you know, like if there was some guy from Palestine, he's like, I'm a Christian. Like, okay, like that should be, you know, okay, we should be able to link over that. (laughs) Right. But when it comes to like, oh, you cheer for the Steelers, or, you know, you have the same political leanings that I do, or what have you, but you don't love Jesus, I still tend to be comfortable around you because Mm. we have so much in common. Sure. But those similarities are far less meaningful and important and in the end are actually meaningless really in comparison to that Palestinian Christian who loves Jesus or those Coptic Christians in Egypt who are, you know, being beheaded for the name of Jesus. And I just think that's fascinating that we would be so united in that way. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't tend to think that way. You know, like it's like, oh, like they're just so different from us. There's no way that we could ever be reconciled or united. And that's Paul's whole glorious argument in Ephesians 2, where he says that Christ has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, making one new man in place of the two, thereby making peace. So like he was dealing specifically with the Jew-Gentile distinction. Yeah. But it holds up that we're all one new man in Paul's language mm. in Jesus, that the dividing wall of hostility is broken down yeah. in Christ. That's like the ultimate project of reconciliation between peoples. And that's what we see played out there in Revelation. He says, you bought people from every nation, tribe, language to worship you, and you made them all a kingdom. And uh, one good line I've heard before that I I use frequently in these discussions is like, the new heaven and the new earth would be like a white supremacist's hell, because... Like, it's just going to be, you know, it's this amazing place where people from every corner of the globe yeah. are going to worship God. Exactly. And I just think that's amazing that he would do that. So those are like the amazing, I think, faith-increasing, encouraging implications of this affirmation of the creed. Sure, yeah. That we can be united and reconciled to people who seem so different from us. Mm-hmm. And like, you think there's no hope that we'll ever get past these impasses. Like, no, like, Christ has made that exactly. possible. Exactly. You can't, like, this can happen. It is happening. So that's amazing. Now, I do feel like on a sort of almost pedantic at this point, <laughs> aside at this point, based on what we just talked about, but uh, since we did bring up the whole Roman Catholic thing, I do feel like we need to say this. Okay. Because I talk to people who really think that like all Catholics, you know, like they're like, they're all doomed. Like all Catholics are doomed. Mm, okay. Like, you know, like there's just no way they can be saved. And I would just say this, since we believe that we are right as Protestants, right? We're Protestants. So that basically it means a lot. But what it means is 
we believe that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, right? Like, that's it, right? That's Jesus saves us. Since we believe we're right in that, we do or should believe that more Catholics will be saved than not, because here's the thing. Even in spite of their unhelpful and sometimes crippling dogma, right? Which, you know, medieval, sure. we joke about the medieval, you oh, know, like yeah. the relo- you know, got a history. These, yeah, like, but that in spite of the crippling dogma and sometimes unhelpful things that they still teach and believe, if someone who calls themselves a Roman Catholic in the end, really throws themselves upon Jesus for their salvation. They're going to be saved. Mm-hmm. That's what we, we believe that. Like, they're going to be, they're going to be saved. And so if a, if a Catholic who's, for lack of a better term, better than their principles, right? Because that many of us are, right? That's that's the whole hope is like, we're all a little better than our principles. What, what, do, you, what do you mean by that phrase? So that like, you may say, I believe... X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if so, like if you take the Catholic example, just for fun, since we're doing okay. that, like they may say, like, oh, I believe that we're justified by faith, and then there are these works that contribute to our justification. Oh, I see. Which is distinct. That's not like Protestants don't believe that. Right. And, and just so I'm doing justice to our Catholic cousins, I did not, and this is for Protestants too, I did not say that Catholics believe that they are justified by works. They don't believe that. Okay. They believe we are justified by faith, but that there are like works that There's come along. There's a of this. Yeah, like you have to continue yeah. working and continue being justified. Like we don't believe that. There's a distinction there. Mm-hmm. But that they might transcend and be better than that principle and actually okay. believe oh no, like I'm justified by mm. faith in Jesus. Like that's what they actually end up believing in their heart. Right. And so in that sense, if they throw themselves upon Christ for salvation, then we believe that they will be saved. Contrary to a, to a Protestant who may say, oh yeah, like I believe, they may say, <laughs> I believe I'm saved by grace alone and faith alone through Christ alone. And then, you know, actually deny the deity of Christ and suddenly, none of, that's all meaningless. Exactly. Like, if you don't actually believe Jesus was God and his sacrifice then is enough and that he had a perfect life and he was a substitute in these senses, then you're not actually yeah. saved. So, does that make sense? Yeah, well, like, the, the, the crux of it is faith in Christ for salvation. Right. As opposed to the membership card you hold to a particular interpretation or worldview or something like right. that. Right, yes. Yeah. So, to make another point in lieu of uh, our, you know, we're evangelical Protestants, it is not your belief in justification by faith alone that saves you. Right. Right, like, there are people who may not ever be able to fully articulate that doctrine. I think it's good and helpful for us to believe these things and have these understandings and interpretations and all of that. That's very essential. But in the end of the day, Christ is the one who saves you. It's not your belief in the doctrine of sola fide that saves you, right? Like, that's a helpful articulation to understand what's happening and right. to know who Christ is for you. But at the end of the day, it's you trust in Jesus, right? The thief on the cross could not articulate any of the doctrines that yeah. we know and cherish today. Like, he would not be able to say, well, I understand the reason that I'm going to be in paradise today is because of solus Christus. And I've done the math. I've done the word math. Yeah, like, that's it. Like, right? Like, he just, he said, Jesus, I am up here because I deserve it. Mm. Jesus is innocent. Jesus, remember me. And Jesus is like, there's faith there. Boom. You're in. One of the simplest expressions. Yes, like, that, you cannot, there wasn't even a prayer for salvation. Like, not even a (laughs) sinner's prayer there. (laughs) And yet, Jesus is like, you're going to be in paradise. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly what you said it's like it's not your well i had the membership card you know like <laughs> right. it's important to have you know be a member of a church and to be participating in worship but like that again that's not mm. what saves you exactly so i think yeah. something that's kind of interesting about that i would suggest propose that we each probably have like unspoken unexplored issues maybe problematic issues of our own like oh yeah not not completely unlike 
some Roman Catholic beliefs that that we would say we reject. Oh yeah, I, I've thought a lot about on my own just how my interpretations have evolved since since high school over the past decade even. Yeah, and I can find myself looking back with shame at, at the ideas I had about grace or judgment or you know whatever fill in the blank. Yeah, <laughs> and and like maybe how I conducted myself in light of that, how I spoke to other people, only to see years later how much of the picture I was I was missing. Mm-hmm. We know when hopefully I've I've grown and and adopted a better understanding. But I think like a lot a lot of us probably make these private assumptions and interpret things in imperfect ways. Oh, yeah. And we certainly don't think they're imperfect. We think right. we figured it out. Right. You say you only say things because you believe exactly. them. Like, and you discover later you may be wrong, but yeah. you say it right now because you believe it's right. Exactly. And and I think like a lot of them are you know probably secondary things that we you know were unknowingly wrong about perhaps. Right. But at the same time, man, thank God that he has just as much grace for us yes. as we sift through our own like errant understanding um, as he does for the habits of like the staunch Roman Catholic who ultimately trusts him for salvation. Yes. Amen to that. I will. Thanks be to God because otherwise we're doomed. That's exactly the point, right? Like we can't. There's no way. Like when you even talk about like scripture, right? Like we say scripture is an, is it, it's inerrant and it's infallible. It's the final authority in the life and practice of a Christian in the church. But here's the thing. My interpretation of it is not infallible, (laughs) right? So like then you get all kinds of craziness. Yeah. So we really need that grace. Like we do. And just, again, I think about even in the past three years, Mm -hmm. how much of my theology and understanding of God and the church and life has changed just in three years. Sure. Three years or like two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. And hopefully the idea is you are being more conformed to the image of Christ. Right. Happening. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's all of grace. Like it has to be. Otherwise we're doomed because I'm not going to arrive at an no. infallible or an inerrant understanding <laughs> of God. Yeah, right. Like at no point in my future am I going to land there. Right. Yeah. Like we will not become like him or understand his will until we see him as he is. Yeah. I do like the predominantly Catholic term, the beatific vision, where we, we finally see God as he is, mm-hmm. as, as as much as our, you know, our human flesh and bone and eyes and spirits can perceive it. But um, yeah, so when it's all said and done, we can look down the hallway of Christendom and see people of all kinds from all nations, all walks of life, united under the household of God by faith. And as Jesus himself said, when the end actually does come, new heavens, new earth, then there will be an even deeper unity. When he said there will be one flock and one shepherd, it will be fully realized. Mm-hmm. So it will be realizing that like, yeah, like we won't need quote unquote the temple or the church as we understand it anymore. Like right. we won't need that because like we're going to see God face to face. We are all going to worship him centrally in one new place, one new heaven, one new earth. Yeah. Or as Paul said, we will all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We will attain that one day <laughs> when it's all said and done. Right. In the meantime, we're striving for that. Mm. So it's this uh, idea that the creed affirms we believe in one holy Catholic church, communion of saints. Mm. So yeah, that's that article. I like it. Now we're Catholics. <laughs> Little C Catholics, not big C. Well, hopefully that was helpful to you all. Yeah. Encouraging to your faith today. And if you have any questions on that or you just like to interact with us, you can shoot us an email at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. And if you did find this helpful and encouraging and you want to share it or leave an honest five-star review, the iTunes store, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll accept any of the above. We will. We believe in one holy... Uh... Catholic review. Okay. I really didn't know where I was going with that. I didn't know either. I was starting the sentence and just hoping it ended up somewhere. <laughs> that was it. The communion uh, of reviews and yeah. people who listen to us. Thank you so much. Thank yes. you for listening to us anyway. Yes, in spite of our bad jokes. No, truly, we are glad to spend this time with you and we'll catch you next time.